Well, this, this uh, time we're celebrating uh, marriage, and a lot of churches all over the country celebrate marriage this time. There's seminars. I've been watching the Facebook, and there's, a, there's an exciting excitement in the air. Some are probably getting married. There are more anniversaries coming up in May and June and July than probably any other time of the year. How many of you got married in June? Would you raise your hand? Okay, how many got married in July? How many wish you could get married in July? Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a real joy to be standing uh, in this place and um, uh, kind of pinch hitting for your pastor. He's away preaching in Grove, Oklahoma, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning. He's doing student discipleship and discipleship now and trying to get these young people to really come to the Lord. So you got to pray for him when he's away. Normally he's doing something for the Lord and preaching somewhere. And I really i am honored today to be here in his, uh, in his place. I've always told him the last year to let all these young guys preach. And uh, we got another young guy, Steve Switzer. He's just got old hair, but he's still young. Amen? Yeah, he, he's still young. I, I just uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be at Hallmark. And I can't help but say, but God is good all the time. I love when he does that. And so I said, hey, I got to fill in. Well, let's turn in our Bibles today to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter number four. And I want to say today that it's wonderful to have Jimmy and LaRue up here as they celebrate their anniversary. Wow. How many years did you say, Jimmy? 68 years. Isn't that amazing? I saw Roy and Lucille back here, and they've been married 66 years. Would you guys raise your hand? Let's give them a hand. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. Anybody else, uh, anybody else here had uh, been married 60 years, and you're still alive to tell about it? Oh, yes. A.M. And, and Juanita Irwin. How many years y'all been married? 66 years. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. Boy, these are, these are faithful people. Young people, listen, listen to me. You need, to, you need to get around some of these couples and find out what it takes to stay married all those years. Uh, anyone else over 60? Did you know? Let me look real close. Does someone got their hand up? Oh, way back up there. Right here. Who'd been married 60? Oh, Lim and Doris Robbins. How many, how many years, Lim? 64 years. Look at that. There's another one. And there's one back up there. I can't see you. How many years y'all been married? 64 years. That's Al Maber. That's who it is. I just saw it. Al and Shirley. Is Shirley with you today? She's out of town. She's planning a divorce, surely. <laughs> Ran off with a milkman. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> That's really old, isn't that milkman? <laughs> oh, gosh. I promised John I'd preach, but I, I, I just have so much fun up here, it's hard, it's hard to get there. <laughs> Do you know that only 7% of marriages last 50 years, only 7%. Only 1% make it 60 years. Look here. Yeah, you know, you need to get around these couples, find out what it takes to be married that many years. I've been marrying people 
for a long time now. I married my sweetheart on June the 6th, 1969, and this, this coming June the 6th, we'll be married 54 years. My sweetheart Diane's right back here. I love her today more than I loved her back then. And so love is, a, love is an emotion. Thank God I had an emotion. And I had a wonderful emotion. Would you, would you pick, picture that first picture I gave you on our first sweetheart banquet? Yeah, and I fell in love with that redhead, I'm telling you. But she, she had it in the beehive that night. But uh, the way she normally wore it was down. Would you well, go ahead and show our wedding picture? You'll see the way. Oh, no, there it is. That's the one. Uh, that's in those photo booths. You didn't know they had that back in the 60s? They had photo booths? How many of you uh, couples have had your picture taken in a photo booth? Yeah, isn't that fun? Well, we weren't married. We were dating. But I'm going to tell you, it, it was a, a wonderful, thrilling experience to fall in love. We were just crazy in love. And I just found, I found the one I wanted. And I'm going to tell you how to, how to do that today. And uh, the first thing, oh, wow, there it is. Wow. Now, your pastor made front of his ears <laughs> last Sunday. Did you know that? Well, he didn't get half the ears I have. Just saying. <laughs> I just let my hair grow longer now, so let's try to cover them up. <laughs> Okay, I, I need to preach. I know I need to get there. But I want to tell you how to, how to get the one to stay there for a while and enjoy marriage, okay? So turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter number 4. Before we get there, there are three things about marriage. And the reason I'm going to tell you these things is because they've, they've lined them up on this thing and I have to stay with the prompter. <laughs> Sorry. But marriage, first of all, marriage is a plan, and it is God's plan. God has a plan for our marriages and for our life. And if you want to find the right one to live your life with, the first thing you do is got to get saved. Because the first part of God's plan is that you come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, and you realize that your life is not your own, that you are bought with a price, and glorify God in your body and your life, and so God has a plan for your life. So many times people wrong marry, and, and, and it's a great mess because they've never come to Christ. And I'm going to tell you, the best years of my life, when I've, I got saved and I surrendered my life as a teenager, and I went to Baptist Bible College, and I'm telling you, I went there with a plan. It was God's plan. I wanted to live for the Lord. I wanted to serve the Lord. And I knew I didn't want to do it alone. And I'd already had a little dating stuff going on, and I decided those were not for me. So when I went there, I, I decided I'm going to find the one God you want me to have. And if you will decide that you're going to give your life to Jesus Christ and you're going to love the Lord and serve the Lord, whether you're a plumber or an electrician or a lawyer or a preacher or a missionary, it doesn't matter. You're going to serve Jesus Christ and you want to serve somebody alongside of you and walk the journey together because two are better than one. Can we say, say amen to that? I, I told him I wasn't going to preach today, but I'm sorry. I just get caught up. Jesus, Jesus said some very important words 
And he was reiterating what John gave in Genesis. And as, as, as Jesus pulled up from Genesis 2, the same verses that John quoted last Sunday in the message on marriage, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4 through 6, if you want to turn there, it's fine. I'm going, to, I'm going to get to Ecclesiastes in a second. Have you not read? There it is. And he answered and said to him, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning? He's quoting Moses who wrote Genesis. Jesus is doing that in Matthew 19. He said, Have you not read he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Yeah, God created man, and then he took a rib and he made woman. And when he brought Eve to Adam, he said, wow, man, wow. So woman, that's where we got woman. She's been wowing him ever since, amen? But when I met that redhead, I said, wow, I have got to meet her and know her. And we did. Praise the Lord. Well, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God hath joined together, let no man, the old version says, put asunder, let no man separate. Let no one divide you. I'm going to tell you this, this old world is an enemy to marriage. If you don't believe it, just watch the TV and watch the programs they put out today. It is just alarming. What they put up is supposed to be the model for marriage today. It's ridiculous. God has called us to live a holy life. And so Bob, the Bible tells us that God created man and woman for one another. He also purposed for some to be single for the purpose of serving him. And that's exactly what we need to do, what God leads us to do in our life. But make sure you pray and ask God what you want, what he wants for your life. Give your life to Christ. Young people, listen to me. The best years of my life were spent when I was, when I was planning to serve the Lord and, and live for the Lord. And God gave me a wonderful woman to serve together with me. And we've been serving together all of these years in the ministry. And we still are. You say, is it easy? No, it's not easy for my wife to live with me. Just like it's not easy for Joy to live with John. But hey, God gives special grace for all of us. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18, verse 22, I think it's far as here, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You've got to pray that you'll find the one that God wants you to marry. You've got to pray. Now, a lot of times things don't work out and, you know, life, I, I've I've seen a lot of great marriages that are second and some the third. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like being patient and finding the one you can live your whole life with. Can I get an amen to that? Just do that. Young people, you listen to me. God has somebody for you you can live your whole life with. And you can go through the struggles and the trials and the journey of life that it takes, and you don't have to do it alone. Proverbs 31 says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts 
in her. Wow. I'm telling you, marriage is God's plan. But marriage is also a pledge. It is a pledge to one another. It's a pledge to God. I've had a lot of couples stand in front of me and make that pledge. Do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? Not awful wedded wife. Lawful wedded wife. I've flipped up a couple times and almost said that. Lawful wedded wife. Do you solemnly promise before God and his witnesses that you will love, honor, and keep her in sickness and in hell? Just are you going to promise and are you going to be true to those promises that you've made? God says marriage is a vow. It's a pledge we make to one another. The marriage is a covenant. It's a pledge of faithfulness to live together after God's holy order and that we may produce godly children. Malachi 2 and verse 3 says, be faithful to the wife of your covenant. You've pledged to be faithful to her, so fulfill your vow to her. God takes very serious our pledge of faithfulness. Well, God has joined, but God joins together. Realize the devil wants to divide. The culture, the world wants to divide. The flesh, your own flesh decides, hey, I deserve better. No, you don't. You deserve to follow the Lord and be obedient and to help one another. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Marriage is a partnership. I'm already on point number three. Isn't that wonderful? And I only have four points under number three. So we're going to get done. Okay, Ecclesiastes. The Bible tells us here in Ecclesiastes Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he who has no one to help him up. Wow. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I really like that symbol that was given last week, that triangle that Pastor John put up. The, the threefold cord reminds me of that triangle because it is that which we join together, man and wife, in relationship with God. And the closer we stay to God, the closer we'll be together. The longer we'll be together. And we'll, we'll face those challenges together. Marriage, number one, is a companionship to encourage us in our life's work. Number one, uh, uh, verse number nine. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. It is that they labor together. They work together. They, are, they have a common goal in life to raise a family and to, to love one another, to serve one another, and to follow the Lord's leadership in their life. And I'm going to tell you, it's been a wonderful partnership with my partner all of these years because we got into, we got into the ministry, and we both were, were ready to get into the ministry. But, boy, I'm telling you, we had no idea what that was going to mean. And we had no idea. And, you know, someone said that two could live cheaper than one. That is a lie. That's not in the Bible. That does not work that way. And no one ever told me, would you give us that picture of me and the, my wife and the three kids? 
No one ever reminded me that, hey, it could be more than one and two and three and four. We had, after we got married, we finished college one year. And after that, we went, we came actually to Fort Worth in ministry. And did you know that this, this dear lady followed me, insanely followed me. Can you believe the first four years of our marriage, the first four years of our marriage, we lived in four states? Yeah, and there wasn't two of us. There was all of us at that point. We had three kids and four states in the first four years of marriage. My wife should have left me. But she didn't. She hung in there. And when we got to this place, my first pastorate, we stayed there 15 years. That was taken shortly after I took that church of about 100 in our Kansas City, Kansas. Yeah. And we stayed there 15 years. And we just, God blessed our ministry and blessed our lives. It was an amazing journey. But I'm saying to you, we, we work together in ministry. I, I, I never will forget when the boys were born. We were living in Pueblo, Colorado. I was doing bus ministry. It was our third church. And what a surprise. We found out three weeks. Melissa was about two and our firstborn. And we found out three, three weeks before she was to have a baby that there were two in there. That was before sonograms. They took an x-ray and we had two spines. I said, what is that in there? Well, it's either two boys, two girls, or a boy and a girl, or a boy and a reptile. I don't know. There's two spines. You couldn't tell. <laughs> Three weeks before we did, and we're 500 miles from any relative. Yeah. And I had a bus. I'm going to tell you, that girl back there, I had 10 buses and two vans that I was responsible to fill every Sunday. And I had a whole slew of bus workers, and we worked every day working, building routes. We had, you know, four or 500 on our buses at that day. And so when, when, when we had a little two-year-old and we had twin babies, guess what? She had to get all three of those ready for church on Sunday morning because I had to go get all those buses out. And I'd say, honey, we got just a small window of time. I got to come by and get you. So you got to have them all ready. And we, I'd drive home and get them, and she'd have them all ready. And we'd get in there, and she'd go and get in the nursery, and then she'd go work in Sunday school class right alongside of me. Hello? Do you think that was easy? No. Do you think we just jumped up and down saying hallelujah for baby boys? Well, I mean, Melissa was just one of these wonderful, calm, loving <laughs> girls. And then we discovered, you know, double trouble. That's what, we, that's what we had, double trouble. But, hey, the life, I mean, I look back on that now. We laugh and cut up. And, but, you know, we did a lot of crying back in those days. We did a lot of praying. See, Life is not always just a bed of roses and taking trips on the love boat. It's doing the hard stuff. But see, that's what makes your partner so precious. Because we stay together. We work it out. 
we go through the hard times and we just keep going. Oh, I love this passage. Let's get on through it here. The Bible tells us here that we have reward for our labor together. Then the B is that we, we're, there's support in facing problems and trials and difficulties. We live in a broken world, in a broken system. He says, if you've, if, verse 10, if they fall, one will lift up his companion. Woe to him who is alone. You know, in the latter years of our life, there, there's more falling going on. <laughs> there's more stumbling. There's broken bones and there's surgeries. But early in life, there's, there's at times when we just say, oh, how are we going to make it? When those boys began to, uh, they got off schedule. They needed to be fed every two hours when they were born, and we brought them home day two. Yeah, they were two days old when we brought those suckers home. And so they, they went through a lot of diapers. And do you know, that was before we had, we had paper diapers, plastic diapers. We had cloth diapers with great big old pins. Y'all remember those? Holy cow, I'd run that through my Brill Cream hair so I could get it through the, the diaper. But it wouldn't go through unless I got a little Brill Cream on it. Get it through there. You remember, you remember what this is when you take them off and you just can't, and you go out. You remember what this motion is? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You got to wash out the dirty diapers and reuse them. They got to be washed and done all over again. How many of you had uh, cloth diapers for your babies? Anybody? Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Hey, if you can live through that, you can live through a lot of stuff. <laughs> Whew. I, you know, early in ministry, I had a sermon on God has ordained cloth diapers. Throw those paper diapers away. Do you know I threw that thing away? I cut it up and started buying paper diapers. Woo, hallelujah. Well, yeah, live and learn. Thank the Lord. But there are problems in marriage. We go through difficulty. But you got to know we got to help each other up. We're partners. We are friends. Love is an emotion, but love becomes a commitment, that pledge. And then it becomes a character. We're going to go through those tough times together. Physical fulfillment is without guilt. Companionship, a physical relationship that is without guilt. That's marriage. That's safe sex in marriage and only in marriage. God says this is sacred. Do you know there's some several things that are really sacred in the Word of God? He tells us. The Bible tells us that marriage is sacred. Your vows are sacred. God says, I will witness those. You pledge when you stand before that justice of the peace or the preacher or somebody, you are pledging before God and these witnesses that you'll be faithful to those. Well, then, then God's going to hold you accountable for that. They're sacred. See, we've forgotten that in America. We've forgotten that in the world. But God has called us to be faithful. And if you'll come to this marriage seminar, you'll learn a lot about how to get along and how to get through and how to cope with different things. There's so many things they've learned. I tell you, I, when, I, when we got married, nobody counseled us. It wouldn't have done a bit of good. We were in love and we were going to get married. I don't care what they said, you know. But th through all these years, I've had a lot of couples say, well, you've got to meet with me three times. I'm going to marry you. You've got to sit down and I've got to talk to you about it. Make sure you're ready. Really? Yeah. 
I'm not marrying you unless you sit in front of me. And we're going to go through some stuff for you to learn. Learn how, how to love one another, how to care for one another, how to get over arguments, and how to, how to get through the trials and all of that sort of thing. You see, God has brought us together. There's strength in standing together. That's, that's the, uh, the fourth point under marriage is a partnership. Notice what it says here in the scriptures. And again, if, uh, uh, verse number 12, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. The picture is that a man and a woman standing back to back. It's as if two soldiers are standing there and the enemy is all around them wanting to destroy them and they're standing fighting together. They got their back. One's behind another and they're fighting the enemy together. That's the picture here. Two are standing together and they cannot be overpowered and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, I'm so thankful when I look back over the years of our marriage and the so many times that we've enjoyed uh, seeing people get married, so many times I've had weddings on the very time that we were celebrating anniversary. Uh, June the 6th became a pretty popular date through the years. We've taken a lot of anniversary pictures after a wedding. We've got the wedding photographer, and he's, he's still there, and they're about to leave. I said, would you take a picture of us? It's our, our anniversary, too. i got a, a bunch of those. And uh, I said, if you can give me a discount, I'd sure be nice. Just send me that one. <laughs> so through the years, I got a few free pictures uh, taken at that time. But I'm so thankful that I fell in love. And God gave me a wonderful wife. And we've journeyed together. Well, one of the things that I tell you is so important Learn to express your love. You know, guys are a little difficult. They're, uh, women, it's always said that women have so, about twice as many words that they use as men. And in some cases, it's three times as many as they got. But you need to learn how to express yourself, to love one another, be kind to one another, and to do those things that we Sometimes they're a little bit out of our character or a little out of our upbringing, but to show that we really love someone and care for them. You ought to grow in that ability. Learn the love language of your partner. That's so important. I've taught that so many times to young couples getting married. And we've had a, we've had a lot of wonderful uh, marriages. Uh, I, one of the things that I remember well, uh, the anniversary, uh, we did a lot of people reaffirming their marriage vows. I remember when Shelly wore her wedding dress. I don't remember what year that was. Steve, Steve was there. Y'all remember what year it was over in the old building? We had 50 couples stand up, and about 12 of them had their original wedding garments on. And we had a procession on them. They filled everything up, and we had reaffirmation of marriage vows. There were about 50 couples that Sunday morning over in the old building. I never forget some of the funniest things that ever happened at weddings, you know? You, you remember the flower, the, uh, flower girl and, and the ring bearer? I don't know how many ring bearers just thought that thing ought to be whirled around, you know, while we're trying to get that. And a couple of times they'd grab themselves and have to take them off to the bathroom and everybody's just cracking up. I, I remember one time, one of the funniest things that happened, I'm getting off key here, I know, but... <clears throat> But I was standing up here, and we were having this wedding. I don't remember whose wedding it was. Well, all of a sudden, the candle arbor is behind you. And I'm always kind of watching those things, if they're going to catch something on fire. 
And it never has happened. But over in the old building, all of a sudden, someone said, look, look back there. And I look back there, and all the greenery is on fire. <laughs> yeah. And the candle somehow dropped down, and the greenery is on fire. And I looked back there, and I said, I just took my Bible. It was not this Bible, but an old leather Bible I had. And I just went, bam. And it burned my hand and melted the leather on my, my Bible. But I just went like that, didn't miss a lick, and kept on going. <laughs> I wish I had a video of that one. I'd play that again. That was hilarious. Everybody, oh. we thought we're going to burn the house down right here. A lot of funny things happen. But that's what, that's what life is about. Keep laughing. Laugh about your mistakes. You know, I made, I made a funny one this morning. I, I got, I, we're, we're celebrating on Sundays, and we go by and get a maple uh, twist, and I get uh, the little uh, cinnamon rolls that I like. And so I went out, it was raining, and I was in a hurry, and I ran out, and I grabbed the door and opened it up, and this woman says, what? <laughs> I, I tried to get in the car with another woman this morning. <laughs> Golly. I said, I'm sorry, honey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. Golly. <laughs> Life is hilarious, isn't it? Just laugh. It's fun to laugh at church, isn't it? <laughs> Golly. Oh, me, where was I? I know I try to... Try to wind this up. One of the greatest things, let me close this up. One of the greatest things you can do in your marriage is to say, I'm sorry. People have not learned how to get forgiveness. We're all going to hurt each other. Anybody says that, they'll lie about other things. We're all going to hurt each other. We're all going to say things that we're sorry for. We're all going to do things that we're stupid or dumb. I made them. This is crazy. Why did I do that? Couples need to learn how to forgive. But forgiveness never really comes unless we learn how to express forgiveness. Now, guys, I'm talking to you mostly. We have to learn that what we do hurts our wife, wounds their spirit, breaks their heart. And the guy that doesn't figure that out, I pity him. Because, see, the greatest thing about making up is, or, or getting in trouble is making up, getting back together, getting a hug and kiss and love each other again. But you have to know when you injure and hurt the spirit of your wife that you need to understand that. You hurt her. It's not a little deal. And you need to go through the emotion of understanding that you hurt your wife, what you said, what you did. And genuinely go through that in your emotions. Man, that was so foolish. I'm so sorry. I hurt you. I wounded you. And I, I realized it. And feel it. Understand the emotion of it. Try to get in your mind when you've been wounded and hurt. And understand how you really hurt her. When you come that way, not flip, oh, I'm sorry. Nah, nah, nah. You should have got mad anyway, you know. Nah, nah, nah. But when you understand how you hurt them, 
and you say, I'm sorry. I mean, if you don't do that, there's an elephant in the room. Every time you kind of talk, you got to walk around that elephant. It's still there. But when you learn to truly say, please, I understand how much I hurt you. Would you forgive me? You first learn that when you, when you understand how we grieve the heart of God. When we break his commandments, when we break the law of the Lord, he's a holy God who does everything in his world to reach us. And when we realize how much we have broken the heart of a God who cares for us and sent his son to be beaten and bruised and broken and rejected to pay for our sin, when we come to that cross of Jesus and we recognize how we have broken we have broken God's heart and Jesus wept. You read that as on the triumphal entry. He wept over that city because they had stoned so many prophets. They had killed so many, hung so many of God's men talking about righteousness through the generations. And there they're going to release Barabbas and say, crucify the Son of God. Crucify Jesus. Wow. See, you see what I'm saying? How it broke the heart of God and Jesus. So when we sin, we, we're the ones that nailed him to the cross. It's our sin that he came to die for. So we have to know we've broken God's heart, Christ's heart. And so when we learn to confess our sin to him and receive forgiveness, how cleansing it is. The same is true when we hurt one another in marriage. I'm so sorry. Husbands and wives that learn to confess and ask for forgiveness, they are the ones who enjoy their life together. Let's bow for prayer. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It's so, so important to seek God's forgiveness. It's so important to seek the forgiveness of your partner.